Well, hello, hockey fans. Welcome to this week's episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, uh, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report, and I'm joined each and every week by my fabulous, fantastic co-host. He's our founder here at Rocket Sports Media, as well as our editor-in-chief, and I couldn't do this show without him. That would be the one and only Rick Stevens. How are you doing today on this blazingly hot summer? Uh, it is officially summer now, so I can it say. It is summer. Blazingly hot summer afternoon. I'm doing well and glad to be here. There's all kinds of things uh, that we're keeping an eye on and things for us to talk about today. And i um, very excited about our special guest in the next segment. Oh, yes. You uh, buckle in. We have a great show for you today. We do have, of course, in our first segment, we're going to talk about uh, where things are at with uh, Montreal and and Philadelphia. Some some news out of both of those organizations as uh, phase two has started to begin. The second segment, though, you are not going to want to miss for sure. We have a very special guest. Joe Yurden is here with us today to talk about, uh, I'm sure you've all heard by now, the complete upheaval that happened in the Buffalo Sabres organization. And uh, of course, that also means the Rochester Amherst uh, last week. And so our good friend Joe is here with us today. He's going to give us the the scoop on what's happened in Buffalo, a uh, little insight as to, to the things going on there and how it's affecting the organization, the fan base. It's a, it's going to be a great interview. You don't want to miss that in the second segment. And then in our uh, third segment, when we go beyond the AHL, uh, we're going to talk about some uh, news. If you were listening to the Canadians Connection podcast with Joe, uh, with with Rick and Joe Whalen this past Saturday, they uh, had a little teaser there that we were going to be speaking about uh, an issue that's come up regarding uh, Kitchen, the Kitchener Rangers in the OHL and uh, former player Eric Guest. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on with that and... Believe it or not, Hockey Canada and USA Hockey uh, both are are making plans uh, for the World Juniors already. Yes, it's that time of year, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, so we're going to have some news about that as well. And no show would be complete without a feel-good finale. You don't want to miss that at the end. I've got a couple of, of them for you today, and they're pretty good. So, Rick, we've got a, a stack show top to bottom. It's going to be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. So let's start uh, in that first segment. Actually, before we start, I, I have to say, one of the things my husband and I have been doing during uh, the pandemic, we both like, both movie buffs, we love to watch movies, we love to watch uh, really good TV shows and, and so forth, but we love to watch movies, but we like to watch older movies sometimes as well. So right now we're going back through all of the old James Bond movies, mm. all the, the older 007s. I had not yet seen, I don't remember ever seeing, for uh, for your eyes only. Okay. And I was delighted to discover that there is a hockey <laughs> battle with 007 and some nefarious, hockey, three nefarious hockey players. A Zamboni is used as a weapon, I might add. Oh, my. And... Um, I just, I, I couldn't, I was killing myself <laughs> laughing. I said, how did I not know that there is, there is a, this epic 
hockey battle that happens between James Bond and a bunch of a bunch of hockey people. I didn't know. I didn't know. If you didn't know, you know, I'm a little late to the party. I haven't I've seen like the Sean Connery ones and of course everything from Pierce Brosnan forward. But there was like the Roger Moore era. I didn't see a lot of those. So I was a little behind the game. If you haven't seen For Your Eyes Only, you have to watch it. If only for that one scene, it's fantastic. <laughs> but it was actually a pretty, uh, of the older James Bonds, it was actually a pretty good one. So for your eyes only, you got to check it out. I made a note, wanted to mention that. With the bonus bobsled um, battle. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. The bobsled battle was, well, at first it turned into a, a, a fantastic ski chase. Then the ski chase turned into a bobsled chase. A winter sports extravaganza. It really was. And there was figure skating. It was It was like, well, they were in Italy. They were in Turin at the Olympics. So, yes, it was uh, It's like James Bond goes to the Olympics. It was fabulous. Check it out. Um, all right. So first segment, we're going to, first segment, we usually start with the Laval Rocket, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Obviously, we're not talking about those two teams specifically right now because, well, the AHL season has been canceled. So uh, it doesn't mean, however, that we're not talking about some of those players as uh, these small uh, phase two practice aspect of the NHL return to play has started. So some of those players for Montreal, Michael McNiven, uh, it's been reported is is uh, skating at Broussard. Uh, the, the Flyer Skate Zone in Voorhees has been uh, packed actually with uh, guys returning to play. Would you believe that of the guys that were on the ice today, there was one Oscar Lindblom on the ice today. Mm. His chemo treatments uh, reportedly are almost finished, and he was given clearance uh, to to participate in a, a very very small, of course, safe, socially distanced. Um, light practice today so uh flyers fans yeah flyers fans absolutely stoked to see oscar limblom on the ice i'm sure it felt good for him as well um and uh carter hart uh, i believe has been on the ice as well rick and there's some carter hart news i believe there is carter hart news and um he is in the second year of his uh elc one more year to go um, but that hasn't stopped him from um, going out and finding a new representation. And we understand that he, uh, as far as his player agent, he's moved from the uh, from Alainrois and uh, moved to the uh, Orr, Bobby Orr, um, Wasserman group. And uh, Judd Maldaver is, uh, is his new agent. Um, and that is um, interesting in that uh, Maldaver is the same agent uh, that Austin Matthews uses. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that certainly um, uh, next season, uh, at the end of the season, uh, Carter Hart will be uh, working with the, and his agent will be working with the, the Flyers to sign an extension and... Uh, uh, Carter Hart's brought in someone who's had success in signing big deals, uh, so um, we'll see where this goes. Uh, it'll it's one to keep an eye on for sure. It's hard to believe, you know. There's been so much kind of stopping and starting, so it's hard to believe that Carter Hart's actually at that point already uh, that he's approaching extension 
time to, to be t- thinking about these kinds of things. But sure enough, uh, we are we're just about there. So uh, this this decision, for him and his family uh, making this decision to switch representation at this point, uh, is certainly an interesting move and one that we will keep an eye on. And and I guess there's going to be a lot of debate whether this is going to where do the flyers sit? Uh, obviously, there's not. We were talking before the show. Uh, there's, there's, there's not many options, and so um, Carter Hart's going to have some leverage here. And is he going to be looking for for a bridge deal like uh, Matt Murray? Is he going to be looking for a Connor Hellebuck kind of deal? Uh, that's what's going to be fascinating to see how um, how much the Flyers are willing to commit to him this early in his career. Absolutely. Um, if there is an actual return to play. Carter Hart's obviously going to be a big component in that, and uh, depending on his performance uh, in in that return to play, I think will also feed a lot of of what will happen down the road. But you mentioned that that the representation he's picked up is none other than the same representation uh, of Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews was in the news this past weekend for probably a reason that he wouldn't like to have in the news uh, right now. With, as we said, it's phase two uh, where practices are supposed to be limited to six players. There's a whole litany of of mitigation that that players and, and staff have to go through. Uh, during the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic to keep themselves safe. And this past weekend, Austin Matthews was one of a bunch of names that were announced as having tested positive for COVID-19. He is now quarantined at his home in Arizona. Um, Not great news for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You don't want your star going down with COVID-19. As we know, it's, it's not just a matter of whether you're asymptomatic or not, not just a matter of uh, how severe of a case of COVID-19 you might have, but that this is also a virus that leaves lingering physical effects and health uh, effects after you've recovered. Um, So we're keeping our fingers crossed for anyone, of course, who's diagnosed with this virus. that those types of things don't happen, particularly for athletes. And once, as I said, your star athlete for the Maple Leafs, uh, it's concerning. It was not a weekend uh, that I think Gary Bettman or, or pra- frankly, commissioners across pro sports leagues were, were very happy with. Uh, MLB ended up shutting down, I believe, all of their, their training mm-hmm. camp facilities. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies had nine player nine players and staff uh, be diagnosed as as test positive. They had another four test positive today. So that's 13 members of the Philadelphia Phillies organization within the last five days or so. Um, someone from the PGA Tour tested positive. You've got uh, NBA starting to report to Florida for that bubble that they're all going to go into. Well, the county that they're going into in Florida is one of the ones that is having the most severe uptick in cases in Florida. And so fans are starting to get exceptionally nervous. Um, This was not an ideal weekend uh, for the hopes of returning to play um, as we start to see now that teams are practicing, now that players are getting back together, they're all going through mandatory testing every day. Well, now it's... That testing is showing just how many of them are actually a completely asymptomatic and are positive and and can be transmitting disease. Um, 
it's a scary time, Rick. It's a really scary time. And I see more and more players. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, you know, today I even noticed um, Tampa Bay was the, the lightning were the first ones that had to shut down their their training facilities. Um, again, another Florida location. Chris Johnston reports yesterday that uh, the NHL's approved that they can go from six players on the ice for, for phase two to 12 well, Steven Stamkos retweeted that with just an emoji of, of uh, I'm scratching my head like, well, I, okay, really? <laughs> um, I, I just, there's a lot of mixed reaction out there about this, but it's, I feel like we're getting more and more towards more fans and more players saying, um, do we really want to do this? Yeah, Kevin BX has, uh, said, uh, the, uh, as far as the players that he's talked to, it's about half that are reluctant to return and and yet the NHL is is plowing ahead and um, you know there's there's going to be a, an announcement later this week about uh, the hub cities it looks like Vancouver and and uh, Las Vegas are the two front runners there uh, there's been some announcements about uh, the contract situation um, moving any of the expiring contracts uh, uh, from foreign nationals from June 30th to October 30th. Uh, there was an announcement about um, uh, mo- expanding the the training camp roster. Uh, we remember that 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 this expanded qualifying round is supposed to be a roster of 28 skaters and unlimited number of goalies. Well, you can add two to that. Um, it'll be 30 skaters uh, for the training camp. So uh, things are getting worked out, but um, I think that there's there's more and more. Uh, players who are stopping and thinking and wondering whether this is all worth it. Absolutely. And for sure, when you when as more and more information comes out, more cases crop up as as players get tested, I think we're going to see that happen more and more. And and there uh, was it Devin Dubnik, uh, mm-hmm. who who's who also said, just remember, uh, you know, we haven't agreed to actually play yet. We've agreed on a format to play but that don't forget we we have not yet agreed to play um and i think that's a nuance that sometimes gets forgotten out there in uh, in the media and that vote when that vote comes is going to involve every player in the NHLPA not just the executive committee and i think uh well i don't I, i'm not sure if gary bettman will be pleased with the way that the, that vote falls not saying that that it will that they will vote to not play, but I think he may be unpleasantly surprised with how strong the push is uh, to not to not come back to play at this point. Um, interestingly enough, in all of that, the AHL in in the recent week or so has announced the formation of their own return to play task force. Now, keep in mind, it's a bit different than the NHL's return to play committee. Um, because the NHL has not suspended their season yet. The AHL has. The AHL officially canceled the remainder of their season a number of weeks ago. So their return to play task force has been established for the purpose of providing expert leadership and strategic direction to the AHL in planning for the league's return to play for the 2020-2021 season. Um, So the members of that task force are... Uh, experienced and respected NHL GMs, AHL team presidents, and other 
uh, ownership representatives. Interestingly enough, it will this task force will be chaired by outgoing AHL president Dave Andrews. Uh, he will head up this committee. Um, they they will basically be providing just they're an advisory group, uh, strategic leadership, um, and there's a, a good number of them on there. There's some great names on there. Kyle Dubas is on there, GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ken Holland is on there. Uh, Steve Eiserman is on there. Uh, Phantoms fans, you will be pleased to hear that Jim Brooks, who is one of the two Brooks brothers who are the co-owners of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, is on this task force. Um, as well as a, a host of others, uh, Rick. It's a, it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty good representation uh, of, of who they have on this task force. Um, and they don't have an easy task at hand um, because, yes, they have to start formulating all of the, the options of different, of what returning to play will look like next year and when it could possibly happen and will there be... You know, can they even play if they can't have fans in the building? If they can, but at a reduced capacity, what does that look like? What does that mean? All of that taking place in amongst the fact that we still don't even know what society and government regulations are going to be two weeks from now, anywhere in the country or in North America, much less two months from now or five months from now. Um, It's not a task I envy. Well, it's it's a smart move, and as you said, it's a it's a a group with an excellent pedigree, and and um, the the AHL the AHL is a unique product anyway, but the AHL just can't follow the template set down by the NHL because of the economics. They cannot. Um, uh, well, it it would be very unlikely that they would be able to uh, operate uh, the teams without fans in the building. Uh, just because of their their uh, financial models, and and so um, there's there's uh, the right people on this committee to advise them in the unique way that they'll have to structure their return to play. Absolutely, and it's it's something we're going to keep a close eye on. Um, fans, players, coaches, staff members, you name it, we'll all be watching this uh, very closely as we advance through the summer. Um, and of course, I'm sure this task force, I mean, they're going to, they're going to have their finger on the pulse of what's happening with the NHL return to play. And so a lot of that will affect, uh, the AHL's return to play plan as well. Um, but it will be, as Rick said, it's going to be a completely different beast, uh, particularly on the financial side for, for how to successfully return for another season of the American Hockey League next year. Um, with that being said, we are going to take a quick break. On the other side of this break, do not go anywhere. Take take a second uh, and and grab a cold beverage and sit back. We're going to have a great interview coming up for you with Joe Yurden. He's going to run down for us all of the ins and outs of the complete uh, staff scout coach upheaval that happened within the Buffalo Sabres organization last week. You won't want to miss a second. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this message. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to ahl.report, the home of the AHL Report. 
Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Welcome back to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Uh, Again, I am your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And I'll give you a reminder to make sure you're following us on Twitter. It's the best place to go to keep up with all of the news as it happens throughout the week, as well as links to not only this podcast, but our other great content uh, that we've got published out there on AHLReport.com. Mike Rashel's got a a great series out on prospects right now uh, in the OHL. Uh, and so you want to be uh, reading those and getting those updates uh, as well as my friend and colleague Chris G, of course, uh, with his Rocket Reports for all of you Laval Rocket fans. You don't want to miss those. So be sure you're following us on Twitter at the AHL Report. Again, that's at the AHL Report. Give us a follow. If you already do, then tell a friend. We'd love to have more followers and listeners uh, right here at Rocket Sports Media. Well, next up, Rick, I am excited, can't even tell you how excited I am to introduce our next guest. I, and, and I just told him this uh, off the air, shame on us that it has taken us until our third season to have the one and only, hashtag noted jerk, Joe Yurden on the air with us. Uh, you probably know him better for his fabulous coverage of the Buffalo Sabres for the past seven seasons, former writer for the NHL and the Athletic covering the Sabres. Joe Yurden, welcome to the From the Press Box podcast. We are so happy to have you here today, sir. It's wonderful to be on with two of my oldest friends in the business, honestly. <laughs> um, it's like we were discussing before, it's crazy uh, that it's been over 10 years now. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, I mean, we're about on the 11th anniversary of the 09 draft. That's when we were really, we finally got to like meet up face to face. But yeah, it's, man, 11, 11 years, 12 years. Oh my God. It's great. I know. We're old. We're all old. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to think about it, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's that's right. True. Just well, and the relationships that were born in out of that 2009 draft have, have continued. Um, uh, you know, we we knew each other on on Twitter, and then we all got together and became fast friends. After that, it it was uh, a real special group. I thought it was. You oh, know, yeah. and it's 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 funny uh, for just short, really minuscule background for our listen, maybe n- newer listeners. Um, you know, we talk every year about our our draft ticket contest where we partner with the NHL to take a, a group of fans to the NHL lower bowl reserve seats uh, at the draft to to represent all fans from across all teams in the NHL. Well, if you remember, every year when we talk about that, that all started back in 2009 when uh, Rick first uh, started Rocket Sports Media, and the very first draft event that he coordinated with the NHL for fans was when. 
the last time that the draft was in Montreal and Joe Yurden was one of the one of the guys it was when I first got introduced to the to the Rocket Sports team uh, I came from Pennsylvania Joe came from New York uh, people came from all over Canada and the United States and there were 50 of us in Montreal and we all met all became as Rick just said became fast friends and fast forward years later now we run into Joe Yurden in press boxes across the league so it's uh it's kind of crazy this little hockey world yeah, yeah. That first weekend, that 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 weekend was was so such a trip because the whole city. I mean, I don't think I don't think anybody would disagree that Montreal is the best city to have the draft in, regardless. <laughs> like, I know they used to do it there every year, anyways, but they should really go back to doing that. Um, just because no city is more fun for it, true, and offers the the kind of nutty, wild hijinks that you can oh that sure you, that you can that you can accidentally find yourself involved in uh whether you're trying to or not <laughs> across and the city and the pubs and the restaurants that's and right and endless supplies of putin so you can't argue that. you can't that's, argue with the food probably the main reason to go <laughs> <laughs> well today we are here to talk about not montreal but another another great city where we were pleased to to head to for the draft we took a great group of uh, about 50 fans to the draft in buffalo a handful of years ago um but uh, this time, Joe, it seems that Buffalo's kind of gotten turned upside down on its head with the recent announcements uh, that the Pagulas and 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 everything that's happening there in Buffalo, massive uh, staff turnover, kind of soup to nuts uh, at all levels in the organization. Can you can you give us kind of a summary of of what happened in the recent weeks? Well, it's um, it was a very sudden thing uh because it was about it was about a month ago i think it was the the last week of may when um kim pagula the team president owner uh was was quoted by the ap saying that you know they're standing by jason bottrell that you know it's a decision that the fans may not be happy with uh but they had more information than the fans have to to make these decisions okay uh and then followed it up three weeks later by firing him uh, <laughs> assistant, assistant gms randy sexton and steve greeley uh and let me let me do the math in my head here. Uh, about 19 other staffers, uh, mostly from that point in the amateur scouting department, but as wow. well as the player development department. Um, a lot of famous names involved there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Ryan Jankowski was the head of amateur scouting. Uh, Jeff Crisp was the assistant uh, amateur uh, head of amateur scouting. Uh, some of the player development guys, Mike Komisarek, yeah, uh, yeah, Chris Barch. Uh, and I believe, I think Adam Mayer has, is still on board. So, um, I don't know, maybe he's, maybe he'll be the assistant GM in a week's time. I mean, we'll see, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, um, but it was a lot of people, it was about 22 people in all got, uh, got let go. And most of them have been with the organization only since, since Jason Bottrell was hired. And, uh, for a lot of people were, were clamoring for years that they needed a clean house and they cleaned house this time. Only this time, I don't know if it was entirely entirely deserved some of it's deserved but it's not i don't think all of this is entirely deserved so what's the general with 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 such a massive clean out what's the general reaction both from the fan base but also from those within the organization uh well from the from the fans it's just it's more exasperation um it's a lot of just you know what are they doing what is the direction what is going on you know how does this keep how does this keep happening it's it's like a bad it's a bad groundhog day scenario where you know 
instead of instead of eventually figuring it out, Phil Connors just keeps dropping the toaster in the bathtub. Every day. <laughs> it's like, why does this keep happening? Um, but it's it's the sort it's it's the sort of thing where you know, I, I, as far as the fans go, I mean, it's it's nine straight seasons without the playoffs, and and this year they could have been in the play in round if one one loss was flipped to a win. Uh, because I believe then they would have had the points percentage over Montreal to get, to get in. Um, you know, the slimmest of margins, even when the field's expanded to 24 teams. Uh, but even still, win two more games, don't go on two different six-game losing streaks. Mm-hmm. You know, pick, you know, handpick out the two games that you hated the most during the season that they lost, and yep, there you go. That's that's why they're not continuing to play on. And, you know, it's things like that where it, it's become a bit Murphy's Law for the fans, where it's like everything that they everything they want to do, everything that can go wrong is going wrong and it just keeps going wrong. And it's any number of cliches and metaphors that you come up for, for bad things happening. Fans have nailed, nailed it down for the Sabres. I, I, you know, back years ago, I used to say the, the fans that had the best gallows humor in the NHL were Leafs fans. And <laughs> I think the, I think Sabres fans have taken that crown and taken it even further than what Leafs fans <laughs> used to be able to do with it because it's been, it's been dire. I mean, it's, it's incredible to just see this happen now. I mean, think about it this way. I've been here since 2013. When I when I arrived here, mm-hmm. Darcy Regeer was still the GM, and Ron Ralston was the head coach. A month later, uh, Ron Ralston was no longer the head coach, and Ted Nolan was back after you know after he was fired in the late 90s. Um, and then a few months later, Tim Murray was hired, and now there's been. Now we're on Kevin Adams, and you know we've totally skipped over the Jason Bottrell generation, and you know there was Dan Bylsma, there was Phil Housley, now there's Ralph Kruger, and it's just that's in seven years. That's that for a lot of franchises, that's that's you know that's two decades worth of turnover, right. and you know in Buffalo, this is this is what it is, and I you know I would love to have a perspective from within the organization, but everybody yeah. that I knew in the organization doesn't work there anymore, so. Um, <laughs> You know, and for anybody that is still there, they're not going to, they're not willing to discuss what's going on. So, you know, and I don't blame them either. I mean, you know, it's the next person that talks to somebody in the media might be, might be on the, might be fired too. So it's, it's a, it's, I'd imagine the morale has to be unbelievably low there. And, you know, a lot of what my, my colleagues, uh, John Vogel and Tim Graham wrote about in respect to, uh, how ownership has handled, you know, other staff layoffs and whatnot as the pandemic started. It's incredible to, mm-hmm. to even see how ownership can operate this way and, and discuss things about how, you know, the uh, maintaining the family lifestyle was key for them while they started firing people. But, you know, during during, a, you know, during a pandemic where who knows who's going to get a job again, you know, when you're going to get to work again. It's 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 unbelievably tone deaf on a lot of their parts and it's just like wow i can't i can't believe all this finds its way into the public forum to be discussed because do i believe other ownerships feel the same way yeah they probably do but they they don't put it in writing in an email for people <laughs> to forward to reporters that's you know it's 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 the it's the kind of it's that kind of thing where it's just like wow i can't believe all this gets out there and it's their own doing and um yeah, it's 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 different layers of just just stepping on rakes constantly. It's sideshow Bob every time, yeah. and it's it, it's wild to see. I mean, as far as like for mockery and and snark purposes, it's fantastic. But you know, if you're looking for a team to you know make the playoffs and win a Stanley Cup, I don't think it's so great for that. And 
you know, it's it's sports is that way. It's just the slimmest of margins. And you talked about uh, how close the Sabres were to the Canadians. The Canadians had one more win, one more point in overtime. Sabres uh, three back with two games in hand. And and when the season was called, you know, look on the schedule. The Canadians had the Sabres. It, it could have, you know, a day here or there, a game here or there could have worked out so much differently. And and it's just it's just so curious that that. You know, you look at the Pagulas and, and they're saying the right things. Uh, Kim Pagula said this is a results driven business. Yes, it is. Uh, they're not happy with the results. Uh, Terry Pagula said, you know, the only reason the Buffalo Sabres exist is to win the Stanley Cup. And, and, you know, it's, it's not to sell beer. It's not to build condo towers. It's to win the Stanley Cup. So, you know, um, all of this, and and they're involved in with uh, the Penn State program. They seem to be doing the the right things, but somehow it the execution just isn't isn't there. Yeah, and it's you know that that Terry statement that you that you made. I mean, that was that was from day one when he bought the team back in 2011, and you know it was a great statement to make, and it was you know, it was an obvious one. Like you're not going to say you're going to buy a team just to say like, well, we're hoping to break even every year and. You know, financially, and you know, if we make the playoffs, cool. That that'd be neat too. But, um, but I mean, they, they put a lot they put a lot of effort into a lot of the things they do. And you know, one of the things that's come up recently, and I you know, it's you know, I guess when you fire twenty two people, and you know, they they were very quick to let people go once the pandemic started, um, as well as not paying game night staff until the games were officially canceled, mm-hmm. um, which didn't happen until, what, a month ago? A month ago, yeah. About? Yeah. So, um, you know, when you're doing things like that, it comes off as looking cheap. And you know, there's there are a lot of fans in Buffalo that are very um, scarred by previous ownerships that operated very cheap. You know, when you lose, you know, Daniel Briere and Chris Drury because, you know, they screwed up the negotiations there and suddenly it was about keeping keeping costs in check. It was just something where it's like, well, okay, are costs going to be an issue? And, you know, it was very clear under the Pagoulas that was not going to be a thing. You know, they splashed a ton of cash in Billy Leno and Christian Erhoff, which, you know, didn't pan out great in Leno's case. And Erhoff's, you know, they bought him out because they didn't want to run the risk of having him get a career-ending injury and then have that on the books for the next, you know, eternity. But, um but now it's now it's an open question. Even though Terry shot it down, he said there's no you know we have no debts. We've you know money's not an issue. But you know it, it's a it's a walks like a duck, talks like a duck sort of situation where it's like well if, if it's not an issue then you know what are you doing here? Right. Like, you know, what's this all about? Um, and I think that that card is going to show itself even more when it's time to get some of these um, RFAs taken care of, including Sam Reinhart mm-hmm. uh, this off season. Um, you know, they have to figure out what they're going to do with Brandon Montour. How much do you pay Victor Olofsson? Uh, you know, what's Dominic Cahoon's raise going to be? You know, it's things like that. And, you know, as well as thinking about what you do with Rasmus Dahlin, because he can sign his, uh, he can sign a big extension uh, in the off season as well, you know, at last after two years. So um, we'll see. It, where exactly they stand on money and if that's if it's actually an issue pretty quickly and if it and if money's not the issue where do they stand on those players and i think that these are these are the things that are going to come up for them now and i i, I think for them it's you know it looks awful now i mean the 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 optics on everything are just absolutely terrible um but they have an opportunity to change that around to change that around very qu- you know, quickly i mean 
whenever the off season starts, be that October, November, whenever that is, um, they have an opportunity to change that discussion and to get things right. But I do not envy Kevin Adams in any way. No. Um, because he's got a lot on his plate. He's got a, he's, he's so much with the Sabres. He's got to get turned around. Um, he's got to get a whole scouting staff put together <laughs> and then he's got to get things together for Rochester as well because there's, you know, because they clean house down there coaching wise. So they've got, he's got a lot on his, on his plate, but thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, quote unquote, um, they, they've got a lot of time to work on it because they're, they're you know, whenever the draft happens, it's probably not going to be until what, November? I mean, we're talking four or five months away yeah, and they've already had three months off <laughs> you know, without <laughs> hockey. So, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the longest off season for a lot of reasons, but um, I mean, they got nothing but time. The only problem is, is who do you pick from? You know, if you're going to hire new scouts, you know, where's that information coming from? Does the information that scouts that they just fired still is still, is that still there? You know, is their checklist still, you know, is that like what goes on with, with everything that they're doing? It's, it raises a lot of questions, mm-hmm. a lot more questions to go where we don't have any answers. And, you know, speaking of all those players you mentioned, maybe they'll get some uh, better consistency in the, in their on ice product. If they have some consistency in coaching year after year and consistency in messaging from ownership, you know, funny how those yeah. things go hand in hand. <laughs> True. Um, you mentioned Rochester. We certainly uh, do want to talk about the Amherst, but the interesting thing there um, is that, you know, you've got Chris Taylor, you've got Gordonine, Toby Peterson, all of them relieved of their duties behind the bench. But this is a team, unlike their big brothers in Buffalo, uh, Rochester fans are used to a winning product. They made the Calder Cup playoffs for the past uh, two years, and as of the end of the, the cancellation of the season this year, Rochester was second in the North, uh, playing some very strong hockey, and ninth overall in the league. Um, so, first of all, I guess two-part question here. Mm-hmm. Part of it is, what the heck? Why would you clean at, Why would you clean house in Rochester when you've got a successful product down there? And and secondly, um, where do you go from there? I mean, I, uh, how <laughs> how does it get better? How does it? How do you expect the new coach to get much better than that? I mean, the reaction from what we, I've seen on social media and so forth was that Coach Taylor was quite caught off guard by his his being relieved. Yeah. And he was, he was, and you know, he's, he's a guy, he, he lives in Rochester anyways. Like if he, t- if he gets another job somewhere else, you know, be it, you know, on the, NA- on an NHL bench or being a head guy in the AHL, um, he said, he's going to keep living in Rochester. Like he, he, uh, you couldn't ask for a more <laughs> died in the wool guy to be there. I mean, he, yeah. he grew up in that organization. He grew up with the Sabres organization. So, um, and the, you know the, the job he did in getting that group, turn, getting that team into a spot where they were a playoff team every year, that they were one of the best teams in the AHL, is pretty astounding. Because you know where that team was under uh, when Tim Murray was, was was sort of running Rochester, and um, you know the, the coaches they they had there. I mean, I, I think Randy Cunningworth got back behind the bench for a season or two, and you know some of the other guys that they had it just wasn't wasn't coming together because they weren't drafting well, A, to, to help fill out the organization. But, you know, a lot of moves that Murray made to try to make them better just didn't pan out. You know, he signed a lot of, like, elite AHL veterans that could also play in the in the NHL. But, you know, some of those guys got hurt or they wound up in Buffalo 
more than they did in Rochester, and that did and they didn't have anybody behind them to help out the Amherst. So, um, but like you look at what's what Taylor was was able to do. I mean, if it weren't for the Toronto Marlies, I mean, you know, if they could have beaten the Marlies one, you know, either of the last two seasons, you know, maybe maybe they go far. Maybe they're able to go, you know, to go deep into the playoffs and really make make a big name for themselves and, mm-hmm. and, and take that with them up into the, up into the NHL. But, um, you know, it's really tough when, you know, you have a, the Leafs went heavy in investing in the AHL and uh, did very well drafting and, and developing guys and just keeping them in the AHL to, to play. And, you know, when you're the Sabres and you don't have the depth in the NHL and you don't have, you know, you try to build the depth in the AHL, uh, the hard part is, is that it just takes a couple of injuries in Buffalo to help really shorten things up in Rochester. I mean, there were points this season where the Amherst, I think only, I think the Amherst were down to about 10 forwards uh, for an extended time because they had to call a couple of guys up to Buffalo and they were running with 10 defensemen all season. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> um, but that was because they had too many defensemen in the NHL and right. all of them, all of them stayed healthy. And then suddenly they had a stockpile of 10 guys in the A and, you know, then you're having to play young guys like Casey Fitzgerald, you know, his first pro, you know, it's his first year as a pro and he's playing half his games as a forward because he needs the ice time, A. B, you know, you can't, you can't scratch him every game, you know, he needs to play. And, you know, even guys, you know, even guys that aren't as young as Fitzgerald, you know, Brandon Hickey, still relatively new as a pro ends up being a scratch a lot of time just because they've got too many bodies. Right. And, you know, then you're playing a veteran like Nathan Pace at forward as well because you're like, oh, no, we only have 10 forwards. So, well, somebody's got to kind of eat crap tonight and on defense and play <laughs> forward. You know, it's it's things like that where, you know. And yet I, they were you know, still second in the division. Right. And, I, you know, having 10 defensemen helped out because the D was really good. <laughs> and, you know, the goaltending was really good. Jonas Johansson and Andrew Hammond were, were fantastic this season. So, um, you know, they lucked out in that in that respect. Uh, but they but they didn't luck out because they couldn't score points. You know, you know, John Sebastian D was the leading scorer with 39 points. It's not great. Um, in 57 games, it's really not great. No. And then your next two leading scorers are Sean Malone, who was a draft Sabres draft pick, but re-signed on an AHL deal, and Zach Redman, who is only there on an AHL contract, and you know he's a veteran. Um, and then guys that they wanted to develop were you know followed in behind him, you know with Andrew Ogilvie, C.J. Smith, uh, Jacob Bryson, who had an outstanding rookie season, and Casey Middlestat, who only played half the season there, but he wound up what seventh on the team in scoring. Not you too know, shabby. It's not bad. And Brett Murray was right up there too. And he was a guy that they drafted and, you know, they weren't sure where he was going to go and he seemed to fit in pretty well. So, I mean, it's, it's looking back, you're, you're, you're looking at this and people want to be critical. Some people wanted to be critical of Chris Taylor and saying, you know, well, he leaned on his veterans heavily. It's like, well, you're not going to take a bunch of kids fresh out of college and just throw them to the wolves either. You know, no, you're not going to take Jacob Bryson and say, all right, kid, you're going to play 30 minutes a night on defense. It's got to be balanced. You know, you got to you got to find the balance. And um, I think Taylor found a really good way to balance that out. You know, uh, uh, you know, you can lean on your Kevin Porter's and your Zach Redmond's to do a lot of stuff. But Mm -hmm. you need your Andrew Ogilvy's and your Jacob Bryson's and your middle stats to, to take, you know, to take a run at it and be, you know, and 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 use that opportunity to be better. So and they did. And I think that that to me was apparent, but 
Um, but however Adams wants to run it, I mean, it's his show now. That's I guess that's the point with Rochester, and you know, it's up to him to to figure out who he wants to get in that spot next. But um, you know, I mean, his I mean, it, it's the kind of thing where I wonder where where you go from that. Do you look at a guy like Mike Stuthers from Ontario who was let go suddenly, or do you go for somebody who's new to it? Um, who is, you know, maybe doesn't have much of a coaching history or um, at least at that level. And, and is maybe you're, you're looking at somebody to, to kind of graduate up or, or give a completely new opportunity to it. It's a lot of questions with how this is where not knowing how Adams does anything comes into play because you don't, <laughs> you don't know who his lean on people are. You don't know, you know, you know, where his connections lie and, and, and where he's going to go with it. I think it makes it, Fascinating, but if you're a fan of the Amherst and the Sabers, it just makes you want to pull your hair out more. So, and and we're supposed to go, and but I, I can't, we, we can't, I can't let you go without asking this question. And this is what happens when we when we run into Joe Yurden in a in a rink. Is our conversation just go all over the place because he's yeah, just we're a, like game? What game? Screw the game. <laughs> we're going to talk to Joe. <laughs> but um. As you say, Kevin Adams, um, his, we know his experiences on the admin side and the business side. Who does he, there's all these questions. Who does he lean on? Who is he going to take advice from? Uh, does he need a special advisor? Um, Ralph Kruger's going to be there and he's probably going to be more active than, uh, than your, your average head coach. But does this situation call out for somebody like, and he's, He's got a good gig in Carolina, but is this a Rick Dudley situation? A guy who has a lot of experience building organizations and building components of organizations, and and does his his stature in in the Buffalo area would would that help the situation? I think Terry Pagula said that they are very not in favor of having a layer of administration between the GM and themselves, like they. They want it to be linear, and you know they made they made a point to say that communication was 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 not good. Um, that communication was a problem with you know when it came to Bottrell. And that to me, trying to read between the lines on that says that Bottrell trusted talking to Sexton and Greeley more than he did to the owners okay. about what to do and where to take things, which I think I can kind of understand. Um, but I mean, if the if the owners are telling you, hey, don't spend on this. Like stick to these. You got to li- like that's the one thing from owners you have to listen to. Uh, but if they're trying to tell you like which players to sign, which guys like yeah. just say like, just say hey, thank you for the suggestion. We'll look into it. We'll take you know, we'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's the way you take have to that under advisement. <laughs> but for 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 Kevin Adams though, having a guy like whether it's Scott Luce or Rick Dudley, somebody of that kind of stature involved. I can't see how that's a negative. Um, I know for a fact that Rick Dudley would would love the opportunity to have that kind of role in Buffalo. I mean, he lives in Lewiston, mm-hmm. uh, New York, nearby. He's at every basically every Sabres home game as it is, anyways. Um, you know, he's there working for Carolina, but you know, you know how scouts and yeah. you know higher ups are. If they're in town for a game, they're going to go to a game. Um, and Rick was always in town because it's home, so mm-hmm. he's at the game. Yeah, and he's such a smart guy. I mean, we think oh, yeah. I think we figured that out now with with how he how he's doing in Carolina. Oh yeah, even with how he did things in Atlanta before uh, Winnipeg, uh, before they were moved to Winnipeg, he was running the show down there. And 
I think everybody forgot that Atlanta won a division division title <laughs> in 2008 when yeah. I, I believe Rick was involved with them then. So um, there were things that he was doing that that he did down there where it was very clear budget situation that I, I you know, I know Thomas Dundon throws, you know, throws his weight around a lot as an owner in Carolina, but you have to believe it's, it's a budget situation there as well. I mean, they're not, they're not going hard to the cap, but, um, but I think if you're looking for somebody who can help you kind of finagle things and work things out, I think Rick would be a great one. And I think if you're looking for somebody in a scouting aspect, Scott Luce, for crying out loud, I mean, he, he was, it was, it was a, shock when he got let go by Florida um, years ago. And, I, and you know, obviously his dad, Don Luce, was, yeah. you know, a huge, huge all-time, you know, star Super. in Buffalo back yeah. in the day. So, um, you know, people, people here tend to get a little bit antsy when it comes to, like, old Buffalo entanglements. But everybody's – it's like the Buffalo's the Kevin Bacon of hockey. Right? <laughs> six right. degrees. It, six degrees somehow somebody uh-huh. played in Buffalo, you know, and it's usually not even six degrees. You probably only need about three. Um, but I think having somebody with that sort of voice and that sort of vision and that, you know, that eye for talent, it can't be a bad thing. I mean, it, I mean, if Rick wants to get out of Carolina and, you know, Buffalo wants to give him a, a, a sweeter title, like I, I don't see how that's, I don't see yeah. how it's a bad thing to do that. I get it. You want more helpful voices. And I, I, I think right now where, where ownership's at, they, they want helpful voices, but they don't want those voices distracting attention away from what their needs are. Mm-hmm. And that to me makes it a very tricky situation because you're trusting that ownership has a, has a good idea how to do these things. And I don't, know that anybody on the outside can really trust them to do that given their history here the last nine years yeah well one thing is for sure um this drama will continue to unfold and i think we're all just gonna pop a big batch of popcorn and pull up the uh, ringside to see how it's all gonna unfold um it's uh in this summer in general from from the time that this pandemic started uh, hockey the hockey world has been full of uh, surprising developments, to put it kindly, um, from all sorts of different angles. This story is one that is certainly one to keep an eye on. And I can't tell you on behalf of, of Rick and I and all of us here at Rocket Sports, we are so grateful to have uh, you, Joe Yurden, as a friend to keep us, uh, keep a thumb on what's happening that, down there in Rochester and Buffalo. Um, Thank you so much for taking some time to, to, to come on and talk to us today. This uh, may be your first appearance on from the press box. It will not be the last. We will have you on again this summer uh, as as things continue to develop. Thanks well, a lot, know, I'm, I'm I'm game for it anytime, and uh, it's a treat to always talk to you guys. And it's always great to to find out what's going on with with rivals like Montreal from 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 paying attention to you guys and, and reading up on Laval uh when I need when I need a quick spruce up on what's what the Rockets doing uh when it when it comes time to for them to play one of a thousand games against the Amherst it's uh you guys you guys you guys keep me informed so I'm always thankful for you guys for that and for your friendship well we feel the same uh and we wish you nothing but the best um if you want to follow Joe Yurden on Twitter I highly suggest you do it he's a great source of information and uh pretty uh, humorous follow as well so be sure you follow joe on twitter at joe yerdon y-e-r-d-o-n uh and joe thanks again uh stay safe out there and we will touch base with you again soon you guys should too thank you 
Excellent. Uh, Don't go anywhere. We're going to take one quick commercial break. On the other side, we'll be back for our third segment when we go beyond the AHL. We've got some news out of the OHL and the Kitchener Ranger. Kitchener Rangers, as well as some summer camp news about Hockey Canada and USA Hockey. So don't go anywhere. We will be back right after this brief message. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report. And watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. Welcome back once again to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined again by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And yet again, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the AHL Report. It's uh, vital. It's a great place to go to get all of your hockey news from across the American League, as well as prospects, potential draftees, junior hockey, European leagues, you name it. We've got news for you there about that. So follow us at the AHL Report um, you won't regret it. And it's the place to go to tell your friends, to click the link, to listen to this podcast and hear that great interview that we just had with Joe Yurden. Thanks again to him for coming on today. Uh, always such a wealth of information and a mm-hmm. fun interview. Um, really, really great stuff from Joe. Thanks again to, to him for coming on. In this segment, we go beyond the AHL, um, and the first thing that we're actually going to cover is is something that uh, if you happen to catch this past Saturday's episode of Canadians Connection, that's the Montreal Canadiens-focused uh, podcast here at Rocket Sports Media that's hosted by Rick Stevens as well as Joe Whalen, um, and they had there w- there was uh, we talked earlier in the show about all of the the. COVID-19 cases that were cropping up across the sports world uh, on Saturday. And so there was so much for them to cover on Saturday. This was a topic that they were going to speak about, but actually uh, we we bumped it to this show and it's we were planning to cover it here as well. It's a very important one. Um, it involves the OHL, junior hockey, and it involves the Kitchener Rangers. And it was some very disturbing news came out last week, some very disturbing accusations, uh, we should say. And at this point, they are accusations. An investigation is being conducted by the Kitchener Rangers. Um, but former Kitchener Ranger Eric Guest uh, last week posted a 14-minute video on his Instagram account during which he he tells a story about 
flying for the Kitchener Rangers during their 2016 to 2017 campaign. Um, And at the time, he was a rookie. And he tells a story about how he and another rookie teammate uh, were at a, a party with the rest of their teammates and that they were locked in a, he accuses and alleges that an unknown um, veteran on the team during said party locked him and his fellow rookie teammate in a bathroom and said, you're not coming out of the bathroom, said, quote, you're not leaving the bathroom until you do cocaine. Um, guest in recalling this says, you know, when you're, when you're young, when you're a rookie, you do whatever the older guys tell you to do. Um, he didn't name anyone by name. He said, I just want to recount my own personal experiences. He says, quote, I'm not trying to bash any team organization or anything. Maybe some people can get something out of it and relate to it. Well, needless to say, he had to have known that this would blow up and it did. Uh, It was all over social media. The Kitchener Rangers, of course, became aware of it. They made a statement saying, quote, the Kitchener Rangers became aware of the allegations made by Eric Guest for the first time last night. These allegations involve former players with our team and are extremely serious and potentially criminal conduct. As a result, we have contacted the Waterloo Regional Police Services. We will participate with the commissioner and the league in their investigation And until that investigation is complete, the club will be making no further comments. Um, These are some very serious allegations Eric Guest is making. um, And um, it's a very serious topic for the Rangers to be looking into. um, To force, I mean, it's interesting that um, hazing of young men in hockey suddenly has taken center stage this this past week, both with this account that has come out as well as uh, the lawsuit that uh, Dan Carcillo and others have put out regarding uh, some very disturbing allegations for hazing that they uh, allege uh, that they went through that have led to some serious um, personal effects uh, on their life uh, as they've gotten older. Uh, And that's, I mean, that's a story for another day, but that these two stories come out in within the same week, Rick, um, you know, hazing and, and that type of thing, you know, rookie ritual, you know, rookie hazy rituals and so forth. It's something that you hear jokes about, but forcing uh, a young, a a group of young men to do narcotics, um, not really on the list of things that should be permissible in any way, shape, or form. And it's a really unfortunate incident. If it's true, it's an unfortunate incident that we we really hope that the league uh, cracks down on pretty quickly. This is a, a, a difficult story to, um, uh, to cover. It's a difficult story for listeners to absorb because there's really so many different layers here. And um, First and foremost, um, you know, the, it's the kind of, of behavior that, that should never go on. And it's, it's the importance of, within a team environment, um, having strong, positive leaders uh, in addition to coaching staff and, and, and general managers. And, and we, we should say that, um, you know, the, the, what was alleged is something um, Eric Guest said uh, happened to him. Uh, the Kitchener-Waterloo record uh, followed up with other 
players from that time period. Uh, Eric played for Kitchener between 2016 and 2019. Um, the record uh, approached uh, other players, and and they said uh, it they didn't have the same experience, and and they talked about uh, the the leadership group. They talked about. Uh, being able to uh, easily text the coaching staff and the GM, and and they thought it was a very open environment. Um, that's not to deny um, that 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 this happened. Uh, certainly, I th- I think when you watch the the video, you can appreciate that uh, Eric is a very troubled young man, and and he's dealing with an awful lot of things. Um, he's he's dealing with a you know, a failure to achieve his dream. He's been, he's talks about bullying. He talks about, um, all sorts of personal battles and life issues and, and, um, and addiction addictions and, and being addicted to marijuana and other things and, and spoke openly about, uh, uh, in his words, uh, spending 45 days in a psych hospital to, to try and, and get a handle on these things. Um, I hope he gets the, the, the help he needs. Um, but it's, if we can speak more generally, uh, bullying is, uh, bullying and, and verbal assault. And it's, it's just, um, it's, 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 uh, an issue that has to be dealt with. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's, you, I, I, some are quick to blame it on hockey culture. Some are quick to, to uh, attach it to a certain uh, gender. We know that um, it, we can find it anywhere. Um, we, can, we can find it uh, um, in, in either gender. gender it's, it's equally present. And um, so I think we all have to think about times when we've seen this kind of behavior going on and and uh, just as a as a company, we've dealt with uh, this issue as well, and and I've dealt with it in in you know um, my my career as 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 an academic, um, as an educator. I I learned very early that that bullies are threatened by talented people. Bullies are weak. They're cowardly. Um, they're they're uh, very insecure people, mm. um, and um, the other part of it is they need enablers, and uh, that's that's you know one of the things that we addressed in our own company. Um, we had a bully that uh, was uh, mistreating not only our staff but our our uh, followers and listeners, and. Um, um, th- this is a, a person that that led in a, a, a life of not many accomplishments and and uh, just was threatened by that uh, talent rather than learning from it was threatened and we knew that we're we not only dismissed the bully but we had we were going to have to part with the enablers as well and and that's something that um, all of us can do that's something that's up to each of us to uh, when we see it to call it out and to deal with it. And I think that's the lesson that we can learn. Hopefully, Eric gets uh, some resolution and some help that the the OHL deals with this effectively, that Kitchener Rangers and other teams in the OHL deal with this effectively, but that we all, um, it opens our eyes to, uh, when we see it, to call it out and, and make sure it doesn't continue. Absolutely. And 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 keep in mind, this this podcast we talked, 
traditionally mostly about the AHL and the NHL. So being a rookie in either the AHL or the NHL um, certainly is is can be intimidating. It's an exciting time, but it can be intimidating for for a young hockey player who's turning pro. Keep in mind, so so you can imagine how um, being a rookie in those leagues, um, it would be, yes, you would listen to older players and you're in a very vulnerable position and, and so on and so forth. Um, keep in mind, we're talking here about Eric Guest making an accusation about something that happened during his rookie season in the OHL. That's, 16 years that's old. That's junior hockey. 16, claiming that he was told by a veteran player that he couldn't come out of a room until he did cocaine at 16. And and the other accusations that we've heard this week are among the same age group. So you're talking about some pretty horrific things that um, young men, young athletes are being pressured to do or being forced to do or being bullied into doing um, at not when they're 18, not when they're 20 or 21. It would be bad enough if that were the case. No, but these young athletes are even younger. These are kids that haven't graduated high school yet. Um, and that's what even magnifies the accusations that much more because you're talking about a, a much younger athlete at this point. Mm-hmm. Um and and no, it's not a to the to anyone who wants to say it's hockey culture. Boys will be boys. Uh, as as the as the female host on this show, I can say girls can be just as bad with the hazing. I I saw it. Um, I I've had plenty of friends uh, in in different avenues of life talk about talk to me about their very raw personal experiences with being hazed and bullied by by other girls in sports and social settings um so it's 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 a behavior across the board that is very ugly when partic- and when it and when it's brought out into the open it's exceptionally ugly um i commend eric for having the courage to talk about it uh, publicly on his social media channel um and as rick said hope that he uh, is able to find some peace and some resolution. Um, it's I, I don't envy the investigation that's going to happen. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully hopefully some sort of resolution and something positive can come out of all of this uh, because we certainly don't want to continue to hear uh, more stories like this. And I'm sure that there are plenty. And as more players come out with stories like this, I think there's going to be others that that do as well. Um, and it's it's always tragic to hear about it, but we certainly uh, stand by those players who feel comfortable enough coming forward with their stories. If you're a coach, if you're a teacher, if you're a parent, and uh, you you have some ex- you you have some worry that uh, that kids around you are are um, being bullied. Um, one place you can start, there's all kinds of resources, but one place I would suggest you start is um, a book. It's just an introductory kind of book. Uh, Barbara Coloroso, I've met Barbara many times, and uh, it's called The Bully, The Bullied, and The Bystander. Um, each one plays its role in this, and uh, I suggest that, uh, that you pick that up, and that would be a, f- a first place to start. Absolutely. Great recommendation there. And of course, we'll keep an eye on on this story as it develops. 
um, because we want, particularly when, when they're at that young junior hockey age, we want those experiences to just be positive ones. It is, it is their first really big steps towards uh, all sorts of possibilities in a young man's hockey career uh, or young woman's hockey career. And um, we certainly want to hear stories of nothing but having positive experiences at that age um, and not the stories that we've heard recently. Uh, speaking of those who have bright hockey careers in front of them, believe it or not, we yes, we are uh, coming into the to the end of June, and that means that um, as far as uh, Team Canada, Hockey Canada, and USA Hockey are concerned, and folks from Russia and Sweden and Finland and it's time to start thinking about the world juniors, believe it or not. Uh, even though we don't know what the world is going to look like over the New Year's holiday this coming year, uh, plans do need to start being put into place uh, for selection of rosters for the world juniors this coming year. Um, and interestingly enough, last week, both Hockey Canada and USA Hockey both uh, announced the rosters of their attendees for their respective summer uh, development camps, which is typically where they get their first looks at, at the groups of, of young uh, hockey players who they will eventually choose from to form uh, their their World Junior rosters. Um, before we get to who's on those rosters, I thought it's interesting that these two organizations are taking completely different approaches to this. And until I read it myself and did the research and prepping for the show, um, I certainly haven't heard a lot of talk about this uh, out there. Um, and, and so felt that it was important to make the, the, the clarification here. So, USA Hockey has their their home base in Plymouth, Michigan. We've been there before to cover the World Junior Summer Showcase. It's where they will hold uh, their development camp again this year from July 24th through August 1st. It's a little earlier than, it's about a week earlier than it typically is. Um, at, in Plymouth, Mi Michigan. And so they've invited, uh, you know, a whole host of, of young players to come and, and take part during that week. And so think about that. July 24th. Well, we're just, it's just over a month away in Michigan. Um, and there, it seems that their plan right now is to hold that camp for that week in Michigan uh, with at probably somewhere around 40 players, um, plus all of the staff and, and trainers and so forth. In today's coronavirus world, that's an, that's a significant decision to make. And it'll be interesting to see how that decision uh, has to be changed depending on on COVID cases or regulations by by governments and so forth. Interesting though, on their website it does say, "quote The World Junior Summer Showcase will be open to the public, subject to state and local guidelines. More detailed information will be provided the week prior to the event." So not only are is USA Hockey holding. They're, they're on ice, uh, in-person summer development camp. They are, it looks like, hoping to have it at least partially open to the public according to whatever capacity guidelines and social distancing guidelines uh, that Michigan or the, or the, the local county has in place. Um, and of course, as they say, you know, information 
the week prior to the event, because obviously they won't know until the week prior to the event what what coronavirus in that area is going to look like. Um, that's an interesting thing, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as it as it relates to who's on that roster. But on the flip side of it, when Hockey Canada announced the same day or the day prior that their uh, national junior teams, their national junior team sport check summer development camp running essentially the exact same week, just one day off. It's July 27th through 31st. That camp is all online, completely virtual. We spoke a couple weeks ago about how they did, uh, they invited a, a whole host of goaltenders to do their, their annual summer goaltending development camp, and it was completely run virtually. Well, Team Canada is running their World Junior Development Camp completely online again this year. Uh, five goaltenders, 10 defensemen, 26 forwards will attend the five-day virtual camp participating, I'm quoting from their press release, participating in a variety of sessions with a focus on player development through online education. Um, so I think that's a, Rick, I think that's a completely, it's interesting to see a complete polar opposite approach to this by Hockey Canada and USA Hockey. And I'm not here to say one is right and one is wrong. I just find that it's very interesting that these two or uh, countries, junior team organizations are taking polar opposite approaches on how they're going to handle their summer camp. I, I, I kind of understood, um, you know, we've been to uh, the USA Hockey Arena in Plymouth and, and uh, there's, it's a nice setup. There's, there's uh, a few different sheets of ice and then uh, a short walk across the, the parking lot to the, to the hotel. And there could be, almost be, you, you would you'd see what they're thinking, a bub bubble environment, I guess. Uh, but then you added that uh, caveat that they may uh, be opening it to uh, fans, and and that um, I, I, unless something dramatic happens in the next month, I I I just don't see that happening. No. Um, as far as the camps, um, interesting uh, group of players on each side, and uh, but for fans of of the Canadians, for fans of the Flyers. Uh, all your attention is going to be to Team USA, uh, a defenseman and a forward uh, for each organization on that Team USA team. Uh, for the Flyers, it's Cam York and Bobby Brink. And for the Canadians, it's Jaden Struble and Cole Caulfield. Well, that's... Uh not uh, not too shabby at all. And of course, uh, you know, nothing's been released yet as to what what the um, streaming service will be. I know last year they actually did have a, a streaming package. Um, and so we'll be able to make those announcements. But but yes, you've got uh, Canadians fans and Flyers fans are both going to want to be paying attention. There's some pretty big names for both organizations taking part in this in this camp again this year. Um, but for me, that also then raises the question of, hi, Cole Caulfield, you know, guys like Cole Caulfield, guys like Cam York, um, and and all of these other young prospects um, in an environment all together at the same time with maybe fans, some fans there, maybe, we don't know. Um, that's, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, Overly cautious COVID person in me makes me kind of cringe and go, oh, okay, um, you know, 
not to say that USA Hockey wouldn't take every uh, possible mitigating measure that they, that they could, but it's still just um, it it's it's going to be something to keep an eye on 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 how this develops, and and it may turn out that they have to. Unf- I understand them wanting to take a position where if they can get people in the building uh, and and have some ticket sales uh, and have eyes on on the event. Absolutely, I can understand them wanting to do that. Um, and it may end up, unfortunately, that they won't be able to do that and that they'll just have to run the camp kind of in that bubble, as Rick said, uh, with no outside uh, patrons or anything like that. Um, on the other it, side of it, too. Sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, and I expect they'll be uh, uh, leaning heavily on the advice from Dr. Mike Stewart. He's from Mayo Clinic, and he is the chief medical and safety officer for Team USA. Absolutely. They're not going to do anything that's going to outright put athletes at risk. Um, I just find it interesting to see it juxtaposed against then the decision that Hockey Can- that, that Hockey Canada is making. Um, they're taking completely, I mean, completely online. So no one will be gathering together Um but at the same time, you also then lose the opportunity to get that group of athletes together, get them skating together, see what they can do together, and start making those kinds of assessments. So there are pros and cons to both organizations' approaches to this this summer. Um, and it will be kind of a – it'll be an interesting dance that they both will have to go through. No word yet on um, what – Russia, Sweden, Finland will be doing in their respective countries. We know that they're not coming to North America to participate as they typically would. Um, But overall, it will be interesting to see what most of these countries do to start to formulate their their summer world junior development camps uh, and and start that process so that they can be prepared uh, if the world juniors are able to go off uh, over New Year's as they're currently scheduled to do. Big question mark, for sure. But it's not a question mark that you have to have uh, on your notes because we'll be keeping an eye on it and we'll keep you posted as as that happens. And of course, um, particularly with the U.S. camp uh, actually taking place in Plymouth towards the end of July, we'll have full coverage of that for you here at the AHL Report, so you won't want to miss that at all. Um, my goodness, is the show over already? <laughs> Where did that go? I just don't even know. We had so we had way too much fun today. Mm-hmm. Entirely too much fun today. And we had friends on the show, so that's uh, that's always a, a positive and makes the time go fast. We did have friends on the show, but of course, I cannot allow us to leave without. Uh, I actually have two feel good finales. All right. Um, one is in honor of I wish a happy belated Father's Day to all of the dads out there. Uh, including my co-host. Happy Father's Day to you. Hope you had a great day. Um, And this first feel-good finale is in honor of Father's Day. And in Delaware, a whole group of dads got together because on Father's Day, it was determined that the whole group of dads in the neighborhood were going to have a race on Father's Day. Some of them carried flags. Some of them wore uniforms. And as this post says, but all of them carried their pride and honor every step of the way. And right down the street in the neighborhood, 
They all hopped on their riding mowers. <laughs> and it was a riding mower dad race right through the neighborhood. The video is fantastic. You got to find it on Twitter. And bringing up the rear is the one dad in the neighborhood that only has a push mower. <laughs> and they're cheering him on, man. But he's nowhere near the pack. They've all pulled away from it. But him. he wanted to be part of it. But he wanted to be part of it. And uh, so there he was. I w- w- be sure to look for the video. It is hilarious. Um, the only other thing that I wanted to mention, even our youngest friends and neighbors are going to be looking for a job when coronavirus is all said and done. And there was a picture that surfaced on the internet of an adorable golden retriever puppy. Just adorable. And how can you not resist a golden retriever puppy? Mm-hmm. They're just adorable. And there's this fabulous in in red and blue marker this handwritten note from a youngster and it reads hello neighbors my name is troy i'm in fourth grade and i'm just wondering if maybe after this virus you need a dog sitter and if so can i take your dog on walks and more wow <laughs> So young Troy is looking, is he says, you know, my neighbor's got a pretty cute new puppy. So Enterprising. Um, I think I think they're going to need me to take him for walks. <laughs> Let me make that suggestion. Let me just suggest that I become their new dog walker after this. I've, uh, he's very responsible in fourth grade because he says after this virus is over. <laughs> so he understands he has to social distance even from the dog right now. But that after it's all over. He's planning ahead. He wants a job. Wants a job. Mm. I would take that job. And looking at this dog, I would also take the dog. So <laughs> <laughs> that's going to wrap it us wrap it up for us today. We're so glad that you've been here today. Um, great interview again by Joe Yurden. We have another great interview coming up on next week's show. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, we're going to talk about the AHL uh, announced their business awards for the year. And one of those winners is going to join us on the show this next week to give us uh, her take on winning the award and what it takes to uh, to do what she does. And it's going to be a really good interview. She's a great friend of the show, she's a great friend of ours. Uh, so you won't want to miss that next week. And uh, Rick, if we talked about last week's Canadians Connection podcast, if people want to hear um, that episode or any other episode of, of the podcasts here at Rocket Sports Media, where can they go to find them? A few different places. We make it easy for you. You can uh, go to allhabs.net to find uh, not only uh, the Canadians Connection podcast, but uh, interesting articles. And there's a, a recent one that uh, the aforementioned Chris G just put up, uh, his uh, Habs notebook. Um, you can also go to ahl.report, ahl.report, and uh, find our content there as well as this podcast. And um, you can um, find us on all of your favorite podcast apps and uh, just search for Rocket Sports Radio. Now, we're going to give you a hint that we're doing some behind-the-scenes work 
and uh, something that's going to take from the press box and it's going to spread its wings and stand on its own a bit. So we're going to be giving you some different instructions on how to find us and how to subscribe in the upcoming weeks. But uh, we've been working hard during the pandemic to improve the product and the content that we bring to you. And uh, we'll be letting you know um, uh, more about that next week. Absolutely. It's very exciting. You won't want to miss it. Uh, It was a great show today, Rick. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks to Joe Yurden for being here. And thank you for listening. We, uh, you know, if you weren't here, then we would just be talking at each other. And I don't know. It's kind of more fun with all of you listening out there. So be sure to tell your friends and family, uh, share it with the uh, share it with them if they're hockey fans. We'd love to bring more listeners into the fold. And thank you so much for joining us again this week. Uh, come back again next week. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Social distance. All that good stuff. And come right back here again next week for another great episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. And keep on. So keep